This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Tis better to be alone than in bad company. with the introduction to the Fallout Equestria animated series. Hey there, friends. I'm Nuclear Yuki, and welcome, once again, to a nuclear reading show. Today, we're continuing on with K-Cat's Fallout Equestria. Oh, also, if you're enjoying what I'm bringing to the cold, dark wasteland, don't be afraid to tell your friends about me. It's a big help. Oh, and a bit of a disclaimer, since the gangs can be a bit feisty... Fallout is owned by Bethesda, and Hasbro made My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. With all that said and done, welcome, friends, to the Wasteland. Chapter 6. The Truth of the Matter. Hello? My name is Scootaloo. 
You probably know me, since I am pretty famous, for my awesome performances at events uh, like last year's gallops, or maybe just as the founder of Red Racer. None of which means a damn anymore, of course, if you're hearing this. If you're hearing this, that means Omega-level threat protocols have enacted, and you are um, now... Ah, damn it. Sorry. Okay. Right now, I'm talking to you as Vice President of Stable Tech. You have been appointed as Overmare, or in the case of Stable 24, Over Stallion, of a Stable Tech life-preserving stable. You've been chosen for your sense of loyalty and duty, both to the ponies around you and to this company. And while the Stable Tech HQ might be, probably is, uh, nothing but blasted rubble now, our ideals live on. Your stable has been selected to participate in a vital social project. The first goal of your stable, like all others, is to save the lives of the ponies inside. But you also have a higher purpose beyond saving the lives of individual ponies. We here at Stable Tech understand that it doesn't do pony kind any good to save ourselves now, only to annihilate each other later. We must figure out where we went wrong. We must find a better way. And we must be ready to implement it as soon as possible once the stable doors open. And survive what our current leaders have managed to do to Equestria. Damn it! I really hope no pony has to ever hear this. Can't this all just be for nothing? They're really going to destroy us all, aren't they? Um, sorry. Again, totally off script. Where was I? Uh, well, yeah. In short... Stabletech is working to ensure a more, uh, a more stable society for future generations. Inside the safe in your office, you will find a set of special instructions and objectives, as well as details on how your specific stable has been fitted to carry out your part. If, at any point, you believe that your part in the project is threatening the safety and security of the ponies in your charge, as a whole, you are to cease participation and take any necessary steps to rectify the situation. In any other circumstances, however, it is crucial that you keep to the directives provided, and keep Stable Tech appraised of all results as per your sealed instructions. Thank you from all of us, from all of Equestria. Thank you, and may some pony up there have pity on us all. Not exactly the message I'd been expecting. Now my feelings about the stables were completely twisted up in my head, and I just wanted to forget about them entirely. Away with the olds and embrace the new, right? I clocked my hoof against the counter again. Apple whiskey, another of your specials, please. Apple whiskey, the bartending unicorn who owned and ran Turnpike Tavern, poured me another glass. Then, as I watched, he lined up seven apples on the counter. Beautiful golden apples, quite unlike the pale and flavourless ones back not home, and waved his horn over them, magically transforming them one by one into bottles of the most delicious, pain-numbing, mind-easing fermented apple beverage. Beside me, Calamity clopped his hooves on the floor in applause, and several mares of the tavern let out a whoop. Don't know why I was surprised, I half-whispered, leaning near Calamity. Your leader is a stallion, after all. Calamity's ears perked up and he gave me a look of shocked confusion. My leader? 
I don't have a leader. I couldn't tell whether he sounded more offended or worried. I hoof-waved. I heard him, over the sprite bot, when it wasn't being watcher. Calamity looked at me with deeper confusion, and then broke into a too-righteous laugh. What? Red-eye? He turned to the rest of the bar. Hey, every pony! Little Pepe thought Red-Eye was our leader! The whole tavern joined in on the laughter. Good goddess, girl! cried one of the mares down from the counter from us. Red-Eye ain't nothing but a puffed-up prancer. Hell, I don't even listen to that broadcast. Not when DJ's on the dial. Huh? Uh, yep, agreed a brook from a nearby table as he gathered a pile of bottle caps from his cross-looking companions, many of whom were looking at colourful squares in disgust. Just let old Red Eye try and come her down here and make old New Appaloosa part of his so-called New World. I'll personally take all his unity and brotherhood and shove it right up as just deal, the pony next to him interrupted grumpily. So, I fought to shove the new fact into the puzzle I was building in my head. The drinks were great for forgetting, but not so great for thinking. The not-watcher voice on the sprite bot is Red Eye, and he's not your leader. What's this watcher stuff? The mayor closest to me asked. Those sprite bots are just radios. Red Eye can't actually watch ponies through them. They ain't cameras. She turned to Calamity. I mean... Could you imagine if they could? Okay, now that I knew wasn't true. But apparently the fact those sprite bots can be used to spy wasn't common knowledge. Watcher had tipped me off to something. One of the bucks done from the counter called out, Hey, Apple Whiskey, put DJ on. Apple Whiskey looked up to a brown box on the top of one of the shelves which had wires running to speakers throughout the Turnpike Tavern. With a slight glow of his horn, the radio turned on and a beautiful mare's voice, possibly the sweetest I've ever heard, or at least a close second to Velvet Remedies, began to pour out of the speakers. and the song she sang was so solemn and filled with determination that it made my mind go to unhappy places. I soon felt like crying, but I had to force myself not to. I figured more drink would help, so I finished mine and clopped for another. This was unbearable. My heart was breaking, and I wasn't even sure why. I grasped at a distraction. DJ? Who is DJ? The answers came fast, almost too fast to keep up with. It seemed every pony in the tavern had something to say. DJ Pone 3, of course. There's always a DJ Pone 3. Best music in the equestrian wasteland. Yeah, all that, what, 12 songs? 20? He's a ghoul pony. Been round forever. No, he's not. They keep changing. Back when I was a filly, DJ was a mare. I hear he's a pegasus. Got a station up in the clouds. That's how he's always knows everything what's going on. That's so stupid. Every pony knows DJ's station comes out of Ten Pony Tower in the Manhattan ruins. 
He is too a ghoul pony. He's been around since before the war. I heard the original DJ Pwn3 was actually a mare named Vinyl Scratch who was killed when the Zebra Balefire wiped Manhattan. But her nephew was spared, being in Tempony and all, and he took up the mantle. I heard it was her sister. My head was spinning. Calamity was smirking at me. Leaning close, he whinnied. There's always a DJ Pwn3. And in the background, the voice of the seemingly infinite beauty and sadness cried out, How can I fix this? How many times must I try? Please, this time, let me get it right. The music died away, and a voice came over the radio. This is DJ Pone 3, and that was Sweetie Belle, singing about the one great truth of the wasteland. Every pony has done something they regret. And now, my little ponies, it's time for the news. Now you ponies remember when I told you about those two ponies who crawled themselves out of stable too? Well, I've been getting reports that one of those little ponies took out the raider nest in the heart of Ponyville and saved several pony captives, including the beloved author of the Wasteland Survival Guide, Ditsy Doo. Hey kid, thanks from all of us. And now the weather, cloudy everywhere, with a chance of rain, gunfire and bloody dismemberment. I didn't really hear the rest. I was too stunned. I was on the radio. DJ Pone 3 was talking about me. My heart mixed with pride and panic, the latter quickly swallowing the former. I'd been outside less than a week, and I already had a reputation that was spreading across all of the equestrian wasteland. A reputation that built me up into some pony far more heroic and capable than I actually was. And one last thing. The other stable dweller was last seen out near Appaloosa. My prayers go out to that one. And that's the truth of the matter. Now back to music. Here's Sapphire Shores singing how the sun can't hide forever. From your lips to Celestia's ears. Sapphire! For a moment, everything seemed to stop. What? I turned to Calamity. Near Appaloosa? I thought this was Appaloosa. Calamity snickered, still not done having fun with me over my wasteland ignorance. No way, Lil Pip. This is new Appaloosa. You can't have new without having an old, now can you? Then he quickly got serious. Now you don't want to be going anywhere near old Appaloosa, you hear me? That's a slaver town. Apple Whiskey interrupted. Well, there's no harm going up that way to trade. I sell a bit of my trademark Apple Whiskey to those folk. I was stunned. Surely he was kidding. You trade with slaver ponies? Yep. In fact, got a train headed that way tomorrow. I looked out without disbelief. You trade with slavers? Calamity whispered in my ear. Why do you think I never took up living here? It was not a question. Next morning, I found myself out in the continuing downpour, staring at the train and feeling not a little guilty that I'd spent the last evening helping load the flat cars as part of my training with Crane. That evening would have gone a bit differently had I known where those goods were headed. Ah, can't talk you out of this, can I? Calamity stood next to me, checking the loads on his battle saddle. My head was thudding dully, the aftermath of too much apple whiskey. But I was thinking clearly. I knew this was foolish, but there were slavers. There were slaves in need of rescue. I knew part of me was just trying to live up to my now-overblown reputation, 
but I'd also been a captive of slavers, if only for a few hours, and I couldn't just ignore the fact that there were ponies up there who needed somebody to care enough to try and help them. No. Well, I'm coming with you. I always wanted to take a shot at that damn place. Figure if there's two of us, we might actually have a chance. His words left me feeling immensely relieved. I'll talk to Ditsy Doo for supplies. Don't want neither of us to run out of ammo up there. Our food. We can take the train up into the mountains and out over the desert. But chances are we'll be trotting back. I mulled that over and suddenly realised that even if we had our own supplies, what about any ponies we rescued? And would they be in any state to make that kind of trip? Not that such questions deterred me at all. But I'd have to find a way to talk to the ponies pulling the train to wait for us, as we robbed the town they were trading with. No less, I voiced my concern to Calamity. You're going to have to do some fast talking if you want to convince them of anything like that, he replied, then seemed to have an idea. I know some pony in town that just might have what you need to pull that off. Calamity trotted off, leaving me staring at the train once again. While I waited, I tried to familiarise myself with the train. Flat cars and box cars held supplies. Passenger cars, of which this train only had one, were for carrying ponies. The fancy red car on the back, round, and the big bronze one with the smokestack which rode at the front were mysteries. I knew nothing about the former, and the latter I only recognised from a similar train car in the hodgepodge construction of absolutely everything. Curious, I asked one of the puller ponies about what those cars were for. He was happy to answer. That there back one, it's called the caboose. He pointed a hoof towards the red car in the rear. That has the brakes. You see, when we go up the mountain, we have to keep switching our puller teams, because that there's hard work. One team pulls, one team rides and keeps a lookout for raiders. But when we go down the mountain, every pony rides, and we use the brakes to keep us from going too fast. Now he pointed towards the one at the front. That there's called an engine. It's for pulling the train although mostly we just use it for the whistle. Keeps varmints off the tracks. Huh? For pulling the train? I thought you books pulled the train. Ah, uh, yep, we do. Then, well, cause the engine don't work without coal. Ain't got no coal. Ain't got no coal car as far as we had it. So instead, we just use pony power. That didn't make any sense. So the engine is to pull the train but the engine can't pull the train, so you all have to pull the train and the engine. I had to be missing something. Uh, yep. Ah, oh, okay. Then why don't you have any coal? Where's the coal? The train pony rolled his eyes at me. Oh, there ain't any coal in Equestria. I felt something in my head snapping. All the coal's in a far, far away land. Then how was the coal supposed to get here? By train, of course. Ah! That was it. I needed to stop learning about trains. They hurt my brain. This conversation had made the pounding in my head far worse. Splashing through the puddles, Calamity trotted back. After the train pony had gone back to his work, Calamity reared up and waved his forehooves around, making a mock spooky face. Ooh! Are the cold in a strange, faraway land, full of zebras? I stared at him nonplussed. Done now? He dropped back into a standing pose and pulled out tin out of his saddlebag, offering it to me in his teeth. I levitated it close for a look. The tin had a scratched-up picture of a zebra on it, 
those um, in there are what are called party-time mentals, brewed up using mentals and, well, some other stuff. Guaranteed to make you the life of the party. Those things will clear up your hangover, clear up your head, and make you the smoothest talking pony in all the wasteland. I look dubious, but then I trust a calamity. What did I have to lose? Telekinetically opening the tin, I pulled out one of the little squares and put it inside my mouth. Chewing experimentally, I had to admit they were tasty, although the aftertaste was kind of bitter, but I didn't feel any different than I... <laughs> the whole world shot into stark focus. Colours became brighter and more pleasant. Even the rain seemed nicer. And my thoughts. I was thinking more clearly than I ever had. I was figuring things out that I never could before. By Celestia! Where had this wonderful stuff been all my life? I felt confident. Figuring out what I just needed to say was going to be easy. I could talk any pony into anything. And I was about to prove it. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hours later, I stared out the window of the passenger car, watching the landscape roll by. Or at least as much of it as I could see, considering the sky had darkened and the rainfall had escalated again. Remembering rivulets running down the cliff face near Stable 24, I prayed the storm wouldn't cause us trouble when going up the mountain. Talking the train ponies into waiting for us had been easy, making up for the crash when the party time mental wore off, leaving me feeling half-blind and horribly stupid without its help. It was all I could do to not eat another right away. I would have done so if Calamity hadn't snatched the tin away. Even now I cast furtive glances at his saddlebags. Ugh, think of something else. I tried tuning into the DJ Pone 3 station, but it was barely audible through a haze of static. New Appaloosa, I figured, was near the edge of good reception. I tried another station on my pit buck and found the music of the Sprite Brots. Calamity told me to turn it off. Staring out the window again, I found my mind drifting until it settled on, of all things, ditzy do. I was wearing my utility barding, now upgraded to be as effective armour, thanks to the strange but cheerful Pegasus ghoul. That poor pony, I thought seeing her home obliterated and then turned into a rotted mockery of a normal pony. And made to live with that memory for centuries. Raiders, slavers, she'd suffered at the hooves of both of them, actually seen things that horrified me to contemplate. And as if that wasn't enough, as a ghoul pony, it was as if she had a magical sword hanging over her brain, waiting to drop. It was amazing that she wasn't a broken wreck of a pony. 
I remembered her smile, wondering how she could be happy. And then I got it. Calamity asked, What's got you smiling like that all of a sudden? I chuckled at myself, shaking my head. Laughter's a virtue. What now? I smiled, holding back a laugh of my own. Maybe not giggle-giggle laughter, and definitely not <laughs> laughter, but the kind of inside laughter that allows a pony to take everything this world throws at her and not lose joy. Maybe it was a stretch to call that laughter, but it was definitely a virtue. I turned back to the window, my own spirits somehow higher than they had been in days. Lightning flashed outside. I gasped, junking back from the window. I could have sworn I saw the head of a giant pink pony, the size of an Ursa Major, peering at me over the hilltop, grinning. Y'all ready? Calamity shouted through the downpour. The train car was approaching Appaloosa, old Appaloosa. Calamity and I were standing on the rain-slick roof of the passenger car, wind whipping rain into our faces and pulling at our manes and tails. I nodded. Wrapping his forelegs around me, Calamity stretched out his wings and caught the wind. The storm snatched us up off the train, and Calamity began to steer us towards a ridge that overlooked the slaver town. The wind buffeted us, making me fearful that we would crash. But Calamity's course stayed true. We landed, and I immediately slipped and fell in the mud. Calamity barked a laugh, and I shook really hard, flinging at least half of the mud onto him, and then laughed too. But we stopped. Virtue or not, there was a time and a place for laughter. And this wasn't it. I floated my binoculars over to Calamity, and then pulled out the sniper rifle to peer down the scope into the collection of dilapidated wooden buildings, derailed boxcars, makeshift metal structures, and slave cages that made up old Appaloosa. The train was just pulling in. Between the darkness of the storm and the distraction of the train, there would never be a better time to sneak in. Through the sniper scope, I could make out the silhouettes of guards walking on catwalks that rang between the buildings and above the cages. In the cages, I could see slave ponies laying under the pouring rain, forlorn shapes in the storm. I felt a familiar pissedness taking hold. Calamity, you stay here. I'm heading down in. I didn't come all this way to stay back. I levitated the sniper rifle to him. You're my cover, and my quick exit if things go bad. Unless you think you'd be better at picking those locks, then I'd be better at flying you out. He clearly wasn't happy, but conceded my point. Pulling out little Macintosh and checking to make sure it was loaded, I started down the slippery ridge. I didn't want to ever have to use the gun, not that I was feeling particularly live-and-let-live about slavers. It was just that for all the things little Macintosh was, it wasn't quiet. I was most of the way to the first set of cages when a flash of lighting illuminated the landscape starkly. If it hadn't, I would have been dead a moment later. As it was, I was merely screwed. Mines. All around the cages. The fucking slavers had scattered mines. The rain had washed away the dirt covering some of them, the orange metal casings reflecting the flash of light. There were surely more, but I had no idea how many, or where. After my session with Crane, I was much better at self-levitation, but that only got me to the fence. I was far less confident that I would have the power to levitate all the slaves to safety. Hey, who's there? A voice out of the darkness. A slaver pony. 
I wasn't the only pony to have seen something in the flash of light. Damn it. I scooted, moving as stealthily as I could. I hated to leave the slave pens, but I needed more time. If I shot, I'd bring the whole place down on me. If I tried to take out a slaver pony with my hooves, I knew he'd be able to call for help before I took him down. So instead, I decided to hide, slipping into the nearest shack. I immediately regretted it. The shack was only a few rooms, and the one from upstairs. I could hear what I really hoped was two slaver ponies going at it. I felt both embarrassed and disgusted. Trying not to make a sound, I looked about for a place to hide. I didn't want to be standing right inside the door if that guard pony decided to take a peek into the shack. I also started peeking in boxes. I knew this was stealing, not just scavenging. But these ponies stole other ponies, so I didn't figure they had any standing to complain. With screwdriver and bobby pin, I didn't even spare the lockbox I found in the next room. Sitting inside, I found... something unique. A little totem. A statuette of an orange pony with a yellow mane and tail, poised in mid-buck. What struck me was the three-apple cutie mark, identical to the mark on Little Macintosh. I floated it close to read the inscription on the base. Be strong! And felt a surge of magical energy. I'm not sure what it did, but I actually felt stronger. Not just physically, but in confidence. Slipping the statuette into my saddlebags... I finished my looting, and the door banged open. There you are! I whipped around, gliding into the comfort of sats, and fired two shots into the pony. One in the head, and one in the chest, before he could reach me and pubble me with his spike-shod hooves. The sound carried. Immediately, the two ponies above stopped their intercourse and came charging down the stairs. Only one of them had stopped to grab a firearm. Little Macintosh roared like thunder. The slaver pony with the gun never even got a shot off. I reloaded as quickly as I could. Luna, damn it. Well, I was in it now. Fire blasted past me as I dove behind a rock. A flamethrower! This fucker was attacking me with a flamethrower! Oh, I smell roasted pony for dinner, snarled the slaver with a flamethrower battle saddle. How about a little barbecue? I was seriously hoping he was just being awful, that these ponies weren't so depraved as to actually eat other ponies. Lightning flashed. Thunder boomed above me. I ran for the cover behind a crazily tilted boxcar. Flame whooshed out behind me, catching my tail. With a yelp, I thrashed at a nearby puddle with it until the flames disappeared. Ow, ow, ow! Come out, come out, wherever you are! Cringing back, I brought out the combat shotgun. Little Macintosh had finally run out of bullets five dead slavers ago. Two of those had been unicorn slaves wielding shotguns. And now I was in no danger of running out of shotgun shells any time soon. The flamer stepped around the corner and got a faceful. He went down hard. Swiftly, I took what I wanted from the body, but left the battle saddle behind. I neither had the natural aptitude nor the professional training to use a battle saddle, and I didn't need that kind of weight slowing me down. I looked around nervously for more attackers. Including the pony and the flamethrower, and three back in the first shack, I'd put down a total of nine slavers. A lot, but by no means a town's worth. I was surprised that all the gunfire wasn't drawing a lot more attention. 
the thunderstorm might account for much of that, and these guys seem to have a level of stupefying ego that prevented them from just running to get more help. But there had to be more at play than that dumb luck, dumber slavers, and the weather. Battling the slaver guards was pushing me closer to the large, multi-story barn at the heart of town. There was a lot of light pouring out from the windows and a lot of noise. As I drew closer, I could hear music. I checked my pit buck, but old Abelusa appeared out of range of every station except one, the Spritebot station. How that station covered every place, I had no idea, although I suspected the Spritebots themselves might actually be acting as relays too. This music, however, was nothing like that. Going in the front door would have surely been death, but creeping up the catwalks to a second floor entrance proved safe. I tried to slip in quietly, but the moment I had the door open, the wind flung it wide with a crash. I cringed, then poked my head inside. The room was empty, of ponies at least. It was crammed with broken furniture and old filing cabinets. Bottle caps, ammo, and packages of cigarettes were in several of the cabinets. They found a new home in my saddlebags. I didn't smoke and have no intention of starting, but I could sell the packs to Ditsy Doo, who would resell them to the surprising number of Appalutians who did. A door towards the far end opened up into a balcony. From there, I could see the manticore's share of the room was a wide open saloon packed with ponies who were drinking, gambling and watching the performance on a stage directly below me. The balcony ringed the saloon and there were guard ponies walking around it in a pattern. They were focusing on the chaos below and haven't spotted me yet. Wait, I recognise that voice. Crouching flat upon the balcony floor, I poked my head over the edge to see the singer. Velvet Remedy! Good note. Level up. New perk, Mighty Telekinesis, level 2. You triple the mass that you can levitate with your unicorn magic. Effect a cumulative with Mighty Telekinesis, level 1, which is also required in order to take this perk. Wow! Pip's got damn lucky to have found Velvet this time round. But I don't think that nice filly will be happy to go back to the stable with our wasteland friend. Oh, and we got to be DJ this time round. Real nice buck, that guy. Help me getting my own git started. We'll see what comes of it soon in Chapter 7. Anyway, I've been Nuclear Yuki, and this was a nuclear reading show. Closing out, we've got 99 problems from Skybolt. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.